Welcome to the Vinyl Impressions Radio Show Syndication Podcast, where we bring you the groove and essence of radio, all wrapped up in the timeless charm of vinyl records. I'm your host, Martin Brown, and on this show, we delve into the world of radio, exploring captivating interviews with station owners, talented presenters, and visionary entrepreneurs. Join me as we uncover the secrets of successful radio promotion and discover innovative ways to elevate your online presence. Whether you're a station owner, a show presenter, or a DJ, our guests offer valuable insights and strategies to help you flourish in the digital age. To get in touch with the podcast or share your thoughts, drop us an email at podcast at vinylimpressions.club. For more updates and exciting content, visit our main website at vinylimpressions.club and connect with us on our Facebook page, Vinyl Impressions Radio. Hello and welcome along to the Vinyl Impressions podcast with myself, Martin Brown, and where today I'll be talking with a man who has been involved with the online marketing scene for a number of years and taught thousands of people how to use the internet as a marketing tool for their business, personal or hobby in order to reach more people more often. Yes, he can help you and your radio station or radio show get out to your target audience and make it grow, especially with YouTube videos. Please welcome Adam Payne to the Violin Impressions podcast. Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me and hello to everybody listening. That's great, and it's, it's wonderful to have you along. I know the most valuable commodity you can give anybody is your time, and you're giving it to us today, so thank you for that. After that intro, I'd better back it up with, with what we say, because we know that uh, you're one of the best on the scene. Oh, I certainly know you are, because I've known you for a few years. But can you tell us about your experience in the online marketing industry and how you became specialised in YouTube video marketing particularly? Okay, so... For me, it all started back in 2012. At that time, I was just completing a master's degree in applied linguistics here in Japan and decided that I wanted to try something different. And I actually went onto Google and I typed in, how do you make money online? And I got hit with all these different things. And to be perfectly honest, not much of it made sense. And I ended up joining a couple of programs and buying a few things and getting confused, getting overwhelmed, spending a lot more money that I'd intended and really being none the wiser and just, just digging myself a deeper hole of being confused. But I was a bit fortunate that I came across a guy that was also here in Japan. He's an American guy. I didn't know him at the time, but because he was in Japan and I was in Japan, I reached out to him and we became friends. And he was more advanced than me at that time. And he was doing, he was just getting into Facebook ads and having some success running Facebook ads, selling his e-commerce products. He ran an e-commerce store mm -hmm. and he told me that if I wanted to really do well online, I should tr stop trying to do everything and become good at one thing, whatever that one thing might be, whether it's copywriting, making videos, Facebook ads. So I just decided to focus on videos and make making YouTube videos and Facebook videos and all kinds of videos and just made a point of only buying stuff related to that and just learning a subset of the whole internet marketing world. And I guess it started from there. And then I just 
got better and I practiced what I learned. Surely, sure, some stuff I bought wasn't very good. Some stuff was great, but I made sure that I implemented what I learned. And then I was able to get results. And then I was able to show my results. And then people suddenly started noticing me and asking me how I did it. So then I was showing them and then realized that maybe I could teach other people. And using my real world experience of being a teacher at universities here and learning a specific skill, it took off from there. And it's changing all the time, isn't it? The algorithms, yeah. the, the way things are done on the internet. About every six months, something seemed to have changed massively. How do you keep up with all that? Because it's nonstop. You're changing all the time. You may teach somebody something, but it'll be wrong in six months. You need to update it. Yeah, I think back then you could do certain specific things that were guaranteed to work. So there were places where you could put words or there were links that you could create and put in certain places and it would make your videos appear higher in the search rankings. But as the algorithms evolved and these days everyone's into artificial intelligence tools, it's harder, but it also means that people who are ethical and people that truly care can stand out because the technology's changed, but people's desires, people's pain points, people's struggles are still the same. And if you can reach people at certain levels and genuinely help people, that will help you stand out. And you won't have to worry so much about the changes because it'll almost become irrelevant. So a lot of these changes that do happen, you don't have to worry about them when you get to a certain level. Well, that's a good insight because I've always thought that as soon as you teach, if you do a course or anything and get it released, it's going to be out of date. But I, I do know for a fact you've got a huge membership site and it's one of the few that I belong to that actually does update when something updates. So no matter which section you go in, you're always up to date. So well done for that. That's a, that's a good thing on the online. I just updated a section of that today, actually, and it's going to be, re it's, it's already in there, but I'm going to tell everybody about it later. Oh, that's wonderful. I know with internet marketing, there, there, there are good people out there and there are cowboys and, and you're one of the good guys I know because there aren't many of them now. So there are things to watch out for the pitfalls and that, but, but the good news is that now my people know where you are. And we'll give the contact details uh, later on as well so that you can show them. So for radio station owners and show presenters, what specific benefits can they gain from incorporating YouTube video marketing into their promotional strategies? Because they're all trying. And sometimes I look around and I'm involved in internet marketing as well to a degree. And I think, oh, that they're not going to have much success with this. What would you advise? I think it really comes down to whether you've got a radio station or you're selling a physical product or a course or a membership site. I think it's the kind of the same process. I think you truly have to understand your audience mm -hmm. and that can be the audience that you have, or it can be a prospective audience that don't yet know that you exist, but could benefit from what you have to offer, whether that's from an educational standpoint or an enjoyment standpoint. Uh, and then it's finding out about these people. What are they interested in? What do they like? What do they dislike? What are they worried about? And then once you know that, then you can create content, for example, YouTube videos about those things. And whether those videos are found because somebody somewhere has typed in a certain phrase and your video pops up, or maybe they've been watching videos by other people that have got a lot more authority than say a new person, but because they've watched videos on that topic, YouTube's algorithm is so clever these days that it will suggest similar content. So for me, for example, if I watch a piece of content about a certain historical topic, because I'm interested in that historical topic, 
and that channel is really big. So their kind of stuff pops up. Next time I go just to youtube.com, I've got random historical videos that are suggested to me by people that are smaller, people that I didn't know existed. And if they've done a good enough job with how they've optimized their video from an intriguing title or a nice little image, then I might be enticed to click on that. And then if the actual content's good, then I become their fan. And then further on down, I might not buy anything from them immediately, but I know they exist now. And then I get notified when they make other videos and then I start enjoying their content. And then I learn that they've got a product or in this case, a radio station. And then I might, if they are sharing where I can go and access that, then I might click on that and check that out. And, but it all starts with understanding who your target audience is and whether that's existing people and delving deeper into who they are or building out a profile of your audience through other means. I think if you don't know who you're targeting, it's hard to sell anything to them or get them to buy anything or consume anything. Yeah, with the talk radio, that's that would probably be easier for them to do because their whole niche would be based on whatever the, their purpose is, whatever they're doing for. Whereas with music, you get stations, mine, I just say vinyl music, that gives me a whole right. range of th things to look into. But people do love the old vinyl, so that's what I stick to. Somebody else might do rock, somebody else might do reggae. With all these stations on YouTube, let's say, how would you recommend radio professionals optimize their YouTube channel to attract more viewers and subscribers? There's a lot of competition in there. Yeah, I think the first thing is, it's like when you actually got your YouTube channel is like a website, although it's free, but it's a kind of like a website. If you go to a website and it's not really clear what that website is about, or it looks like it was made 50 years ago, the images aren't very nice then it might turn you off. Even though the content could be good, it might turn a prospective person off. So I think first impressions are really important. So you have your little YouTube channel art at the top, which you can make yourself or you can pay a designer 10 US dollars to make one that looks nice. You can, you can add links to that so people can then click through and go to your Facebook page or your Instagram profile or your radio station link website. And then it's a case of creating videos and making sure that you're not just creating a video for the sake of it, but you're creating videos based on what you believe your audience would like. And understand that you don't have to show your face if you don't want to. You can, of course. You, you don't have to show your face. A lot of my videos, I'm teaching something. So I've got my screen. People see my screen. They hear my voice, but they don't always see my face. I've actually got one channel where I don't speak and I don't show my face. There's no voice and there's no one would know it was me unless I told them. And that's where, that's a video that's based on where I live in Japan and I walk around Japan and just, I record videos as I go. I use this kind of thing here, which is called a gimbal and it connect my phone, it stabilizes it. And then I walk around and record a 30 minute, 40 minute video and people see the scene and people, there's a lot of people that are interested in Japan, for example, but they either don't have the financial means to visit Japan and during Corona, of course, it was impossible so they can see it through your eyes and because there's no voice a lot of people don't like it when i if i added my voice to those videos they wouldn't like it so you can record videos in a variety of different ways and understanding as well that you're not going to be good when you get started you're going to make videos that aren't going to look great compared to somebody that's been doing it for two three four years that can put people off because they think their videos have got to be hollywood level yeah whereas they don't have to be at all a lot of videos just down and dirty but they, they get to the point and they're about a topic that your audience likes and if you follow, if you're going to speak on camera, there are scripts that you can stick to that 
I can talk about if any, if you want me to, but there are scripts that you can, that will fit to any niche or any industry. Mm-hmm. That means you don't ramble or go off on point, which is probably what I'm doing now, but no, it's, 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 there's, there's lots of things that you can do. But the first thing is getting started because we all start with no experience. We all start from scratch and the best videographer in the world, their first video is probably terrible. So it's a case of getting over that bump of people are going to laugh at me. People aren't going to like my content. People are going to leave nasty comments. So that might happen, but who cares? Mm, Nice point. Yeah, because a lot of the radio presenters that I know that they're only used to doing short, sharp things. They've got an hour to fit it in. And so they've got 30 seconds here, 15 seconds there. Now you mentioned an interesting thing in one of your email campaigns that, that there's a trend at the moment for videos to just be 30 seconds long with a call to action that gets them off of YouTube and right to your site and the radio station site in this case. They're more the advertising style videos. So for example, and ads can be quite a complex thing for somebody that's never done them before, but everybody's probably been to YouTube and gone to watch a video for fun. And before that video pops up, there's an advertisement. And sometimes they're completely not related to what you want to watch. Sometimes you've seen the same ad a thousand times and it's annoying, but those ads are designed to either get you off of YouTube onto that person's website or for you to click the skip. And if you click the skip button before a certain time, that person doesn't pay any money. And if you're on that website, then they've already got you off of YouTube, but that's a different skill set. but that's definitely something that anybody could take advantage of. And if somebody that's got a news station knows the kind of content that people that are listening to their rivals, for example, are consuming on YouTube, then you can put your ad in front of those videos. And if you do it right, you can potentially get them off. But obviously you've got to learn that skill set and you know, you've got to pay because it's advertising. So that's interesting because there is this crossover between promoting your radio show just for fun, posting to Facebook and things like that. And a lot of people are doing this for a hobby, but as they go along and they get more of an audience, they think, hang on, I could do something with this. But you don't have to have a YouTube channel then to make money. You can do it just to get a community in front of you and build that community and then bring them into your, whatever you're running, your station or wherever you're transmitting from. It's pretty well all over the world now. You can just click a button and hear a radio show. So as far as YouTube goes, then they can do longer content if they want. Can they put their whole show on there? If they want to, do what they want. It's there. As long as I've got the legal rights to do it, then they can do what they want. When you, YouTube, you can make money from YouTube in a variety of different ways. The common term that's put about is YouTuber. And you get a lot of people, especially like young people, they want to go on there and they do all these crazy silly videos and not everybody wants to do that. In order to make money as a YouTuber, then it's basically based on how many views you get, how long people stick on your videos. And then when ads are shown, if you've got a million subscribers and then an ad pops up, more people are going to see that ad than say, if you've got 10 subscribers. So. To make money from YouTube directly, it's the ads that are shown on your video, on your videos to get to that stage. You need to have a certain number of subscribers and a certain number of hours that are viewed over a calendar year. But there are plenty of people that have small YouTube channels that make a lot of money because they get people from YouTube onto their website or into their Facebook group or onto their email list. And then they can sell their own products and affiliate offers and whatever it might be directly via email or on Facebook or whatever. So it doesn't, you don't have to be a big celebrity YouTuber to make money on YouTube. And not everybody wants to be one of those anyway. 
that's interesting. We've got a radio presenter say that they've got a YouTube channel. So many times they say, oh, listening at the moment, I've got X amount of people, but they don't know who those people are and when they're gone. What would you recommend they do to stay in touch with them? Is there something they can do on their radio show to, to keep in touch, maybe build some sort of relationship with them? You can get people to get, on, get within your kind of sphere of influence in a variety of different ways. And it, I, it's going to depend also on some, the demographic profile of your audience as well, because there are going to be certain people that are very, I don't know, sus, they suspect they're very, they suspect that you're up to no good if you want to try and get them into a certain place. But for me, for example, although I don't run a radio station, people that watch my YouTube videos, I used to encourage them to join my Facebook group. So I'd say if you follow, if you want to like get in touch with me, like on a more personal level, then there's a link below my video and it's completely free to join. And it's a Facebook group and I share other things in there. Sometimes I will give them a free gift that's enticing which is connected to the topic in question but in order to get that gift they've got to go to my website and then they'll enter their email address on that website page which will then allow me to collect email addresses and i automatically then deliver them that gift that might be a pdf or a checklist or a guide and then i've got this email list of people that have willingly opted in they can unsubscribe at any time because that's the law and i just then send emails out to these people and i encourage them to ask me questions and then if they ask me a question, I reply personally, either with an audio or a video, and it helps build a real relationship. Because a lot of the time when you're watching somebody on YouTube or you're listening to somebody or reading an email, you don't, there obviously there's a real person behind it, but you don't always feel that connection. Mm. But when somebody suddenly, when somebody asks you a question, then you reply with an actual video that's your voice. It maybe even has your face or you're on screen sharing what they've asked about and helping them without trying to sell something without trying to make money from them that makes you stand out because most people don't do that because it's effort it's work yeah but then that relationship further on down the line can lead to a customer whereas if you're just suddenly always trying to make money off of people it's not a nice feeling yeah this is the thing that that blocks a lot of people they, they think this oh that sounds a bit too good to be true and they're obviously wanting to make money out of it it's not being but that's not always the case and i think with radio presenting, it's a good idea to build an audience in the ways you suggest there, because for example, just asking for a request, if anybody's got any requests, write in, they won't, unless they feel there's that, they've got to know you, they've got to look at you and think, let's take the BBC radio too. You almost know them as friends, that the audience, right. everybody's got a radio station they, that they seem to predominantly tune into. And so there's an uphill task for all the internet marketing or rather internet radio stations trying to do marketing to try and get, pull them away from that and build that relationship. So I like this idea of getting a crowd in and I suppose Facebook, a group or a page would be a great place, a group, especially because you've got them. As a group, yeah. yeah, a group. So how many people would you need to get into a group to make it work? Because if there's just tumbleweed in there with four or five members. Hardly, do you have to build a list first and then dump them into the, the, the Facebook group? I think you, for me, it was like a different pronged attack at the same time because I was growing my YouTube channel and I was also building my Facebook group and I was also building my email list at the same time because not everybody that's on YouTube has a Facebook account mm -hmm. and not everybody that's on Facebook is aware that you've got a YouTube channel and some people don't even want to hate social media to begin with, but they're more than happy to open your emails and read them. 
So I, whenever I created a piece of content, I tried to, not every time, but I tried to create a congruent gift that was free. And then, as I mentioned earlier, in order to get that gift, you've got to enter your email address in. But once you hit submit, that will then redirect to a secondary simple page that I would make. And on that page, I'd say, if you want to join my Facebook group too, it's completely free. We talk about this and this. There's a big, there's a button. It says join here. If you want to follow, and if people don't want to do Facebook, it's like, follow me on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, whatever their means of attack is, wherever they feel most comfortable hanging out, then you can have the option there. They're already on your email list. And if they've come there from a YouTube video, they're aware you make videos, but now suddenly they're like, oh, you've got a Facebook group too. So of course, some people won't join, but some people will. And it is a little bit of work at first because you find you're talking to yourself. People are seeing stuff, but they're not commenting. And then gradually somebody will give you a thumbs up and then somebody might leave. A... But it's consistency. And I think a lot of people, unrealistic expectations is what a lot of people have. And I know for myself, for example, I don't have a, I can't play any musical instrument and I'm tone deaf. So if I decide one day that I want to play the guitar, I'm not going to be any good after taking guitar lessons for three weeks. But people suddenly seem to think when it comes to this online marketing thing, they've been doing it for three weeks. Why aren't they a millionaire? Now, I, I'm not going to be doing playing the guitar for three weeks and suddenly be approached by the Philharmonic Orchestra for a, it's not going to work. So it's got to be a realism that people have. And unfortunately with internet marketing, web pages and unscrupulous people, that's their big advertising thing. Push three buttons and learn how you can earn a random amount of money every day. And it, that stuff that never has worked, it never will work. But to a newer person that doesn't know who to trust and doesn't know how things work, logic goes out the window and they think that will work. And I think you've got to have a bit of realistic expectations and be patient and be consistent and Everybody wants to make money yesterday, but it doesn't work like that. It's like anything. It's a skill you've got to learn mm -hmm. and you've got to get good at and step by step, you'll get better. But if you give up after a month, then you're going to be back where you started. Of course. I'm glad you mentioned about the unscrupulous people online that we mentioned at the top of the podcast there, because don't be put off by those sort of things because there are good people out there doing good things. And if you set it up yourself, and your show or your station, in our case, is your content, is your product, then uh, you're in control, aren't you? If you build your own list and do it yourself. But I, I always believe in having a mentor, somebody, not everybody knows all the answers. So somebody is yeah. there to help you. And that's what you do. You've got a membership site. You must have hundreds or even thousands of members. Yeah, I've got a couple of membership sites. And then I also have a couple of something like individual products for people that don't want to subscribe to the membership site, mm -hmm. but like everybody, I started not knowing stuff, but yeah, membership site is, is good. And I think every, it's something that everybody should try to have, whether it's a membership site or whether it's a newsletter or some, something that people subscribe to, yeah. it doesn't, it could be delivered in various kind of formats that helps you as the marketer, because it's a regular income. And so long as you update it and are there to support it and you don't let it go and you help the people inside then I think it's a win for everybody because my point of view is people are paying me, for example, every month or every year, but if they listen to me, they're not going to then be wasting money on other products that they'd be buying every week 
and probably end up spending a lot more money. So there's work on both sides. It's, there's work to create something like that, but there's also work from the people that have invested in it to actually take the time to go through the content, try and implement it. And if they get stuck or they're not sure, ask. And a lot of people don't ask as well. That's the thing. There's, some people will get stuck and they won't ask. So people have got to get stuck in as well. And this is it. And this is why I say to listeners to the, this podcast, if you take action on, on what we talk about, and especially with the experts we talk to, it, it will work for you, but you've got to, there's got to be a reason you, there's got to be a why, hasn't there? Why you're doing yeah. it. And once you know the why, don't give up, be consistent is another word you used earlier. It's not constant, it's consistent and it's the consistency each month. And I noticed every month I get a few emails from you. They're always riveting, by the way. <laughs> um, I love the PSs and stuff. And that's another thing I was going to uh, touch on. I think somebody sent us in a question. You know, when it comes to creating emails or YouTube videos, and what key elements should radio professionals keep in mind to ensure their content is engaging and keeps the audience coming back for more? Is there a secret to it? I think with e let's start with the email. With emails, I think the way that I approach emails is, it's not every email. I don't send out an email every day because then it can be like a bit of blindness. People just get in, they, it's too much, but it, but you've also got to be consistent in sending out emails as well. So I try and send out three or four a week, but I'm not always perfect on that. Storytelling, I think is the key with that, emails. That word cropped up before storytelling. Yeah. And so storytelling, whether they're real events from your past life or you found them from books or you found them from websites. Taking a story and then segueing into your message. And it's a bit of a thing that takes practice, but there are free websites out there that you can go to and they'll give you lists of different things. And then you can find something that's really unusual. And then you can paraphrase that in your email and then segue into the message that you're trying to convey, whether that's to watch my YouTube video, to read a blog post, to buy a product, or there's no actual link to go to. It's just to do a certain thing. So I remember there was a software that I used, well, I still promote it, but it was a software that I was more focused on promoting that allowed you to create videos without showing your face. And it was a very simple tool to use. And it was good for beginners basically. So rather than just say, I found a good tool, here's the link, buy it. I did a bit of research online and I found that there was the statues in Prague in the Czech Republic that were statues of babies without a face. So it sounds quite grotesque. So my subject line was faceless babies, which stands out, immediately stands out from every other email that you get. What's, what's that about? So they click and that's the first step. Then they open the email, which is the first hurdle. And then it's just a para I paraphrase the story. So <clears throat> talking about this strange set of faceless babies in Prague, and then <clears throat> PS speaking of faceless, a lot of us want to create faceless videos that we're worried about appearing on camera. Did you know that there's this really good tool that's, um, allows you to do this? It's really beginner focused. It's cheap, but I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. You've got to tune into my email tomorrow. And in the next email, the people that bother to read the email and then think, I really want to know this. Then they open the next email and then it's a kind of a continuation. And here's the link. The link goes to my video, which demonstrates this software because I proved that I actually bought it and used it myself. And then people will be able to click on it and buy it through my affiliate link and I'll get a commission. So I'm not choosing a product randomly to make money. It's something that I actually like and that I use and I think could benefit 
my audience, which are into video marketing. So there are plenty of stories that I've got from when I was younger, when I was traveling around the world and driving across the States. And I'll just think of a memory and then talk about it and then segue into a message. I've got lots of examples of this stuff, but it helps you stand out. From a, that's more email than video, but you need the list first because you need to be able to have people to email. email. But I get a lot of people that reply and just say, they either either laugh at the email or they say, that was fun, that was interesting. And it's not always to make money. It's not always to make a sale. It's just have a bit of fun. And that helps you stand out. And that's a skill. Again, it's another skill that you have to hone, but you'll start somewhere. And that's it. Really interesting, a bit of a deep dive. Thank you for that, because I get the emails I open all the time from marketers are those that have got a story and have got some engaging. You can tell it's from the heart. It's not just buy now, sell now on. You've got 10 yeah. minutes, the countdowns. You go, oh no, I've got, there's a list here and this is all stuff from AppSumo. And I'm one of those <clears> that um, try all these little programs out but ultimately, what you've been doing consistently in the background for years is the thing that works. You yeah. might in, introduce a, a marketing product every now and again. I think you wrote an email similar to what I do, where you get there's lots of AppSumo stuff. Uh, AppSumo, by the way, for those who don't know, is a platform for selling software, especially for marketing and businesses. And, and they sell it as a lifetime thing. So once you bought it, it lasts for a lifetime. But I do what you do with the, the membership where you pay a monthly fee or you, I, I think you do have lifetime deals, don't you? I do have a lifetime deal, but mostly monthly. With AppSumo, AppSumo is a, a good platform. They're a legitimate marketplace. Uh, However, I do know that a lot of these tools and softwares, they use it as a place to A, generate funds, but also to get a lot of customers at once so that then they can see what bugs appear and then they can iron out the bugs. Because I know when I was, we used to, I used to own a co-owner software with a business partner and we were toying with the idea of if we put it on AppSumo and give it away, give it a really cheap price, we'll get a bunch of customers in. A, it generates funds for marketing, but it also generates funds to pay developers. And it all, when you've got a software, for example, you don't know, it might work well if I use it or you use it, but if suddenly 500 people use it at the same time with different browsers and they're in different geographic locations, suddenly unforeseen bugs appear. So it's all, a lot of these tools are used, are put on there as a way of ironing out the bugs as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a good marketplace, but you do have to be a little bit careful. Yeah. I have found some gems in there, but it's been over a number of years. I'm one of the, I must purchase more than most people, I think, but I, I like to pass it on to my clients as well. So if I've got something like a booking system, I think, yeah, this is cheaper than Calendly. I can use it for my existing customers to keep them on board. I don't necessarily want to sell it to new people, but those that's I'm thinking of moving off. Yeah, but you lose your calendar, you lose your website, you lose this, you know, oh, stay with you then. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I do, I do buy in the software, I must admit, but you can fall into the trap of wanting the software to work for you to save you doing anything to bring money in. And that, as you say, just doesn't work. It never has done. You have to work, but yeah, there has to be work behind it. Yeah. Somebody says, can you give, can you share some success stories of people that have effectively used YouTube video marketing under your guidance? Yeah, I've got one of my subscribe video marketing insider members. 
he has a huge, he's from Denmark. So his English is not, his, his English is good, but it's not his first language. He's got his channel up to nearly 300,000 subscribers now. Wow. And, you know, for some, when you get to that level, the money that you can make from ads is probably more than you would earn at a regular job. True. So he's done really well. I've got another guy that did Facebook video. So he was using videos on Facebook. And now he's got a couple of Facebook groups that have got maybe it's three quarters of a million followers on his Facebook page. And then he's got products and stuff attached to that. So that, so there's a couple of stories there. There's people that have got started from sometimes a lot of the big numbers don't seem relevant to people when they're new. So there are people that have just got started and then they've got their YouTube channels monetized and they're starting to grow people that have used YouTube to direct traffic to their websites and their websites have then taken off and then they've gone more to the website thing than YouTube. So I've got, yeah. And then there's people that, you, that I've had people that have emailed me and said, I've made my first ever dollar. Yeah. And that's often a big thing because yeah. to make your, although it's a happy feeling, it's not going to change your life because it's the first, it's not a lot of money, but it's proof that it works. So when people say, oh, I've made my first product or I've sold my first product that I've made, or I've made my first affiliate sale. I've got loads of people that have said, that have sent me screenshots. They've made like a couple of thousand bucks here and there. And then people that have done really well with their YouTube channels, but the people that have just said, I've made my first ever sale is yeah, it almost feels nicer. I can remember we've mentioned a few times affiliate marketing and when I was dragging the heels with it, but as soon as I got a commission come through the first one, I think it was $17 or something. Wow. That got me going. And I really went for it. Now. With affiliate marketing, that's when you sell somebody else's product, which they're selling, but you're to your audience. So you can borrow it, if you like, to advertise it to your audience. So with radio presenters, they could maybe get involved with somebody that's selling maybe equipment insurance, equipment itself. Could that be a possibility? And, and maybe if they've got well, their own audience, say, oh, click here to get your, I, I don't know, sure microphone or something. Yeah, totally. People put their links in the description. People mention it in their videos. You can also get sponsorships. People will reach out to you and say, can you mention my product on your YouTube channel, on your next YouTube video? And then you can like privately reach a deal. People will often give you free stuff as well. I get a lot of people email me and say, I'll give you a free tool if you can make a review of my product. Obviously, the downside of that is a lot of the times their product's not very good. <clears throat> so I have to say no, but you can get you can, so you can get free tools and free equipment, which actually saves you money. Although you're not actually making money, you're not spending money. Um, you can get, yeah, you can offer sponsorships on your videos, which people will pay for. And there are lots of channels that you watch. And then some people do it at the start. Some people will just do it in the middle. And then they say, today's video is sponsored by so-and-so. And then they'll either talk about how it's great. And some people will just make a funny story. Um, and then they'll give a call to action, say to get your copy or to get your this or whatever it might be. Go to this website, which would often be their affiliate link as well. So they've not only been paid to sponsor it, but they're going to make it a commission for every sale. Oh. And again, like it's things that your the audience wants. Mm -hmm. Radio people that present radio stations may not have the same needs as somebody that's a listener. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, so a listener might not want to buy a microphone. They might do. I don't know. But it depends on the topic, but. So it really depends on what your audience is interested in. And if you can find something congruent 
that you're allowed to promote as an affiliate, then you can sign up for a network. You can get a unique link, which you can then make look nice. And then you can place that below your video and you can tell people what it is and you can have it pop up as well. And there's no guarantee, but if it's something good quality and people know and trust you, then you'll have more chance of people clicking through than if it's not good quality or if they don't trust you because you've promoted stuff that's not very good in the past. But it's definitely doable, yeah. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And I know a lot of our listeners now will be thinking, hang on, there's something in this. Affiliate marketing is a great way to start as well before you do your, your own thing in a big way, isn't it? I'll just give you an example. Like, I don't have a radio station about Japan, but if I had a radio station that was a bit of a like talk show and a educational, the, the topic was about Japan as a travel destination. Each video that I made could focus on a specific aspect of Japan, but there are like booking.com has an affiliate program and I'm a member of it. So like you can just recommend hotels, you can recommend destinations, you can recommend restaurants, you can put them in your link. You can get coupons and you can have flight deals. You could recommend Wi-Fi for travel. You can recommend suitcases. You can recommend some of the different things. And if people are listening to my imaginary show that's all about Japan, and I'm encouraging people to visit, and they like me and they like my content, and I've suggested this specific suitcase or hotel or restaurant or bag, whatever it might be, there's a chance that they may, they may buy it. Now, if I'm suggesting a microphone, people coming to Japan might have no interest in that. Other radio presenters might do, but so it's really about what your audience wants. And once you get a little bit of a reputation, then you'll have people reach out to you. Like I said, and we'll, you can either have something below your video, which people can reach out to you and ask about sponsorship deals, or you might find they reach out to you. If you become the hunted, that's when you know that you're winning. Oh, that's a good expression. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody mentioned here about algorithms. That's, that's a big word. YouTube's algorithm plays a crucial role in video visibility. How do you advise your members to optimize their videos for better discoverability and higher rankings? Is ranking okay? Let's get okay. There are different ways that videos can be discovered on YouTube, there, and there are different algorithms at play. The first is the one that people don't think about. It's when people come to YouTube.com. So I go to YouTube.com. And what I see will be different to what, which will be different to what everybody else sees, because it's based on previous viewing experience. So one way you can get visibility is to have your videos show up there. However, it's a little bit potluck and it's a little bit dependent on the videos that you've made before. So if I've got a brand new channel and I make a video called Adam's life in Japan, I'm only person interested in that is me. Nobody else cares. But if I make it, if I analyze my competitors and my rivals that are currently much bigger than me. And I go to their YouTube channel homepage and I sort the videos by most popular and newest ones and look at what topics have done well. I can make a video on the same topic. Might be slightly different, but it's a similar topic. Now I may not be able to outrank that person, but if that channel already has millions of views and people are watching these popular videos, to all of those people, YouTube thinks this person likes this topic. And now there's me with my brand new video that no one knows. And YouTube occasionally will pick one of my videos and put it on that person's youtube.com homepage. And the way that I could potentially get traffic is if my title is intriguing and also my YouTube thumbnail, which is my still image, stands out. 
So your YouTube thumbnail is as important as your video. So that's an image, whether it's a PNG or a JPEG file, that stands out, basically. It's, it may have bright colors. It may have a close-up of someone's face with a weird expression. It may have text with a specific font that is quite big. But some YouTube, some thumbnails have no text. They just have someone's face. A thumbnail and a title is all about interest and intrigue, and it's to get the click. And once somebody clicks, they've done their job. Now, another way the algorithm works is the search one, which is what most people think of. Somebody types in a search phrase, and some videos rank number one, and then another video is number two, and so on, and it changes. The biggest factor for uh, having your video rank at the top is what's called click-through rate. So when somebody types in... I don't know how to make money online. The video that gets clicked the most gets a boost. Now, naturally, the video that's already at the top is probably going to get clicked the most, but sometimes it changes. So you want to make sure that your video has an intriguing title and thumbnail, but also delivers. Because if you have a really intriguing thumbnail and title and people click on it, but then there's 20 seconds of your logo coming in and then you ramble on for a minute about who you are, and you don't get to the point, people will leave because that's not what they came for. So if you can script your video in a specific way then and you deliver on your promise, so in that case, you actually show somebody a, a way of making money online that works, people will stick around. And if you've got an engaging personality as well, which is hard for some people, you'll be able to keep people on there for longer. So a secondary factor is retention, watch time, how long people stick around. Um, and then, of course, engagement is another thing. So people like it or subscribe or leave a comment, but you've got to ask. Mm-hmm. And if you ask too early, people sometimes think, I haven't even got to the content yet, and you're asking me to subscribe. And, and I've made that mistake before. A good way to script a video is to have the put first. Right. So somebody types in how to make money online. They see your amazing thumbnail and title. They click on it, and you just say something like, In this video, I'm going to show you two ways to make money online. And that's it. They know that they're in the right place. Mm -hmm. Then you can do a little bit. And then you might say something. And if you stick around to the end, there'll be a third secret way that nobody knows about or something intriguing. Or if you stick around to the end, I'll show you how you can get access to something special, which might be your gift. Then you can do a very brief intro. Hi, I'm Adam. And every week I make videos about how to make money online. That's it. I don't need a massive logo coming in because it's not what people care about. Then's the content, which has got to deliver. If you don't actually teach someone something or you don't follow through on your promise, people think you're just trying to get views, which a lot of people are. And then at the end of that, you can then say, and here's the extra bit that I promised at the start. And then in the final bit, it's the call to action. And just have one call to action. It might be to subscribe. It might be to leave your biggest takeaway below. It might be to click a link to get your free gift, which is then the email. You don't want to do all of them because it's too many things. But if you don't ask, people won't do it. So you've got to actually tell people to take a video. And then over time, you'll be able to see which videos do better, which videos do worse, when people start to drop off. And if all your videos are nine minutes long and people are sticking around for four minutes, that's a sign for your videos to be shorter. Ah, I was going to ask you about the timing. That's your proof, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just bit of trial and error and some people are and there's an element of luck some people just get lucky and their videos just go viral i got lucky with a youtube short 
for uh, my Japan channel. I made a YouTube short and it got 2.5 million views in about three or four days. And it got me five and a half thousand subscribers, but it wasn't so much magic, a little magic hack or technique. There was an element of luck about it. Obviously I did it and I took action and I made the video and I put it out there and I optimized it, but there was a little bit of luck that YouTube suggested it to a lot of people. And when they saw that it was popular, they suggested it to more people. So it was like a domino effect. Mm -hmm. But the algorithm is based on those things. So it's click through rate first. In order for people to click, you've got to make a video about a topic that your audience wants to know about. And then you've got to have the thumbnail and title. You can optimize the description and stuff, but it's they're minor things. And then it's the watch time. Do people actually stick around? Because if they leave after 30 seconds, that's a negative signal that your content's not engaging. And if you can get both of those things, then YouTube thinks this video is good. They will then suggest it to more people, either in the right-hand column or at youtube.com. Then you'll get traffic that way. And you can, of course, if you've got an audience, you can tell people that I've got a video and you can get traffic from external sources. So there's lots of different ways. But back in the old days, the algorithm could be tricked. These days, you can't really trick it because there's a lot of people putting out good quality content. And YouTube will also give new videos a boost. So if you ever see a course or somebody says, look how I rank my video in one minute, that's easy. Keeping it ranked is the harder part because new videos automatically get a boost by YouTube as their way of saying, here's a new piece of content on this topic. Audience, what do you think? But if the thumbnail is not very good, or it's about a topic that people aren't interested in, people won't click on it and then it will go down very quickly. And we all have videos that do terribly and we all have videos that do better, but it doesn't have to be that viral thing that people are chasing. You can get a hundred views on your video, which sounds like a tiny amount, but if 50 of those people go to your website and 20 of those people opt into your email list and five of those people you build a relationship with and become your customer, you've, you've done all right. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's like the old offline sales thing was you could go into, I, I used to sell advertising to put into a magazine and. I came out without getting anybody to advertise in it from the shop. And I thought, oh, I actually thought about it and I, and I never asked them. I, I told yeah. them all about it and showed them, but I didn't say, would you like to advertise or when would you like to start your run? And that's, that happens online. People just forget to ask for the sale or ask for the click. So you made a really good point there about asking them. Yeah. How about I've got these things. And there's that imposter syndrome as well. A lot of people don't feel that they, they deserve it. People feel that because they're new or because they're just getting started, they don't feel comfortable about trying to sell something. They have this kind of in, internal imposter syndrome that they have. It doesn't happen to everybody, but a lot of people do suffer from that. And therefore they don't try and sell because they think they feel that selling something is bad or cheesy or hypey and they don't want to be that person. But if you've got something good to offer and you are slightly more knowledgeable than your audience, then that's fine. You've not got to be the best in the world. There's always somebody better than you, but as long as you're a bit more knowledgeable than your audience, you can help them go to the next level. And there's lots of new people coming on in every area. There's more new people than advanced people. So if you try and pretend or try to be the best in the world at whatever it is you do, it's going to be hard. But if you accept that I'm not the best, but I'm better than this group of people here and they're my audience and I can help them get to the next level, when they're at the next level, there's going to be another bunch of people waiting who are also new and you might have more advanced stuff further on, but it's the imposter syndrome is a, 
thing that seems to affect some people. I see. Well, yeah, when people start uh, radio shows, they it sounds amazing that they go for six weeks or something, and then you don't hear from them again. They, they just aren't comfortable as they grow getting out there. And it is the imposter thing, I think. Is it, it, it takes if you've got ego, <laughs> radio yeah. DJs with an ego, and I've met a few of them. But uh, that's a real in deep look. I know it's a subject on its own YouTube, which is, and I'm pleased we're covering it today because so many of the presenters are on there, but just probably not doing it right. But the thing is, with so many special, with so many of these recommended social media platforms available, why do you believe that YouTube is particularly important platform for radio professionals, say, to focus on? I think because I, it's a certain. It's the second biggest search engine after Google. So people can find you by searching for things and they can come across your content. It puts a little bit more, you can show that you're a real person as well, I think. Whether you show your face or you use your voice, there's some kind of connection. Whether when you've just got a website, if you don't have a picture of yourself or whatever, or maybe you're on, I don't know, like, Instagram, some, sometimes there can be a little bit of a disconnect, I think, between real human connection. And I think with YouTube, people can show themselves if they're happy to do that. And if they're not, they can share their voice and what they've got to offer. But I, I know from my experience, when I hear people, and when I see people, I can learn more than when I read about it in a book or when I read a website article. So if I've ever got a problem and I know how to do something, so I type in how to do ABC and there's all these websites and one video. I'll generally go to the video because I want to see it. And then if I can see it, I can copy it. If somebody tells me what to do, but doesn't show me what to do, sometimes there's that kind of problem. So I definitely think there's that human connection on YouTube or with just a video. It doesn't have to just be YouTube, but with video, there's that human connection and it's popular. It's growing. It's easy to sell things. It's easy to build an audience. It's easy to get trust as long as you don't abuse it. And I just, I'm comfortable with it now. I understand that when people get started, they may not be comfortable with it. But if you've got a radio show and you've got, you either have or you want to have a huge number of listeners hear your voice, then making a YouTube video should be quite comfortable because you don't have to show your face and you can still, you can attract listeners that don't know that you exist, you're reaching a global platform. Yeah, that is the most common thing. Oh, I don't want to be seen because they say I've got a face for radio. <laughs> so, so really it would benefit our radio station owners and our radio show presenters. So building an online community around YouTube channel, how can it be beneficial? What strategies do you suggest for radio professionals to foster engagement and interaction among their audience? First of all, it's a case of creating the videos, first of all, and making sure that you maybe publish these videos at a specific time each week. So maybe whether you want to commit to one video a week or five videos a week, you've got to commit to something that you as an individual can feasibly manage without getting stressed or overwhelmed. So too many people will say, I'm going to make a video every single day. And it's like going to the gym every day. It's fine for a few weeks and you burn out and don't want to go there for a few weeks. So Commit, fight, commit into a schedule. And once you've started uploading videos with a bit of consistency, the analytics will tell you what time is best for your listeners. So for me, for example, I'll get a lot better results posting my videos at, say, 
8am in the morning in Japan than I would at 2pm in Japan. But 2pm is when I'm working. So sometimes at 8am is a bit early for me, but that's what the data says. So sticking to a, sticking to a schedule, it's like a TV program. If your TV program was every Saturday at 9pm and then randomly one day it was Monday at four o'clock, people would miss it and they'd be wondering what's going on. So sticking to a schedule, I think is good. And then just also trying to make it a bit interactive because with, again, with radio stations, especially, even if they're not watching it, they can listen to it. A lot of people have um, a little phone holder in their car, for example. So put your phone holder in your car. You can turn on your radio stations, YouTube channel, press play. And then because you're driving, you're not watching it because it's dangerous, but you may, you can still hear it. So you can still definitely hear it. That, so that can also help. And I think when the people are actually presenting as well, it's like encouraging people to be part of it. So asking people to comment below and what do you like about today's show? Obviously the question would differ depending on the radio station, but something they learned, something they enjoyed or a request for the next show, for example, and getting people engaged in the process so that then, and then if you actually do actually take the time to read the comments and implement that in a show. And then of course, the things that I've said before, maybe I wouldn't do everything. I wouldn't do a Facebook group and an email list and an Instagram pro because it's too much. Maybe picking one or two places that resonate with you and then sharing your content in those places. So you might take a snippet of your YouTube video. So a YouTube video by definition is we call landscape. It's like a rectangle shape. So you can take a section of that video and there are tools out there where you can pay somebody or do it yourself and you can make it into a vertical video or a square video. And then you can upload that snippet onto a different network. So for example, a vertical video, you could take that and you could put it on TikTok or you could put it on Instagram or Pinterest. Pinterest, maybe not good for radio, but you could put it on Pinterest and then it's a snippet. And then just before an exciting part of the show comes or a popular song or whatever it might be, it stops, which is a bit frustrating, but it stops. And then you've got a little graphic, which says to listen to the full show, go here. And then the link can go back, can go to the full video on YouTube. Or it can go to a website where you've got the show embedded or a podcast. And that way, people that are active, say, on Twitter, or it's called X now, apparently, people that are active on that, that maybe didn't even know you've got a YouTube channel, suddenly see it pop up. And, oh, this is cool. And they get a bit frustrated because it stops. But there's a place for them to go and listen to the whole thing. And then, oh, there's a YouTube channel. This, And then they, it's a way of connecting the dots. But you wouldn't do it on all of the social media networks because there'd be too much to do. So you might pick one, maybe a YouTube and one other place where you believe your audience is most likely to be there and then put it on there. And then you can build up that and they synergistically help each other grow. It's a complete strategy lesson there in, in about two minutes. Well done. Thank you very much. And I know it sounds hard and it sounds like, well, sounds great in theory, but how the heck do I do it? But once you've learned how to do it and you've done it, then it's a case of then being consistent and You've just got to pick the right other place to maybe share your stuff, whether that is a Facebook group or a page, whether that is an Instagram profile or something different. And I know because a lot of people, radio stations might use things like SoundCloud or different podcast sites and stuff. What did they do? Yeah. Yeah. So you can use, you could have a snippet of your half a show on YouTube and then have a link to SoundCloud or wherever else they've got it hosted and. And on your SoundCloud profile, I'm sure you can link to other places as well. 
Okay. You're just make, making sure that it's accessible in a variety of different places so that people can choose their preferred way of consuming your content. I like that idea of, of doing, if, if you think you've got to do all this, it could be off-putting, but to, to make a, a video like you've just suggested and to repurpose it, to go to all these different places, the same thing goes to all the different places in different formats, but that's your task done, isn't it really? Because then you just make a new video uh, and I'm sure you, that they'd be encouraged to make more videos if that one becomes or when it becomes successful. I don't think you can make something go viral. It either goes viral or it doesn't. Uh. Yeah, I agree. Viral with, to go viral is it's like having a whole business strategy and your goal is to win the lottery. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of luck involved and it's great, but that should never be what you, anything that uses the word viral in there, promote, ignore it. So if you ever see a product that says viral traffic, viral this, it's just, that's the key to bin that. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned about videos, you can still listen to them. Some people have a video, but when you move away from it, it stops playing until you come back. That annoys me. I like right, to do yeah. some work with it going in the background. But just because they've got the facility on the video player to switch off when they go. No, don't do it. I'm enjoying it. I've got three more questions. I'm conscious. Okay, it's fine. Let me see. Uh, some radio professionals might be new to creating video content. What advice would you have for those who are just starting? I think you've pretty well covered this with YouTube video marketing. So I've never done it before. What's the first thing I should do? First thing you should do is a couple of things. First thing I'd do is I'd actually just one side, obviously you'd know your niche because you've got your radio station. So I just make a video without any intention of making it public. It's practice. That's interesting. Uh, a good example is a long time ago, I thought I might try and make a cooking channel. So I'd have this camera in the kitchen. And then I realized after making the first one, how fiddly it was, how annoying it was. I just wanted to cook the thing. I didn't want to record every different step and then edit it. But if I had spent ages making my channel and making my website and then realized that that style of video creation was not for me, it would have been a lot of wasted time. I also think by making videos without making them public, you can just watch them yourself in private. You can maybe share it with a friend, somebody you trust or a mentor and just say, no, honestly, what do you think? And don't get upset if somebody says it's terrible, but that's a bit of confidence as well. So making the videos and getting used to making them without them being public. And once you feel comfortable with a certain style of making videos, whether it's like you've got your camera set up and you're in front of it and you're presenting, or whether you've just got some kind of scene and it's your voice, um, and getting comfortable with a little bit of basic editing. Once you're comfortable and you've got a specific way of making them that you can do, then I would just basically do some research on kind of phrases that my audience might be typing into YouTube. That's and Oh, and it can be Google as well. And there are various ways you can do this. A good, let's just choose a random topic, uh, golf. I don't know anything about golf, right? So you can go to YouTube and you can type in how to putt. And when you type that in, YouTube suggests all these phrases. And that's called auto-suggest. And they're not just made up things. They're things that people are actually typing in. So if I was having a golfing channel, I've suddenly got all these, all these keyword phrases. And then you can say how to putt and just type in the letter A. And it might say how to putt amazingly or whatever it might be. And then you type in B, C, D, you go through the alphabet and it gives you. You've got a whole content list. Wow. 
And then you can go to the start of how to putt, and then you can type on the key- keyboard underscore and then hit space. And then how to putt moves to a different part of the phrase. Yeah. For example, let's say you've got a smoothie channel. So I might type in banana smoothie and then put, uh, I don't know, a letter of the alphabet, and it gives me all these options. But then I put underscore space banana smoothie, and then it gives me different phrases like healthy banana smoothie, best banana smoothie recipe, how to make a banana smoothie with vegetable, whatever it might be. And then you've got all these different phrases, and then you just, you've got content forever that would, that you can potentially make. And some of them might be a bit weird, and you might think, I can't really make a video about that, but there'll be a lot of stuff that you can. What a lot of new people do is they don't make videos with their audience in mind. And I've seen so many channels where it's a video and it's like, like Diane's affiliate marketing journey, day one. And no one's searching for that because no one knows who Diane is. No one cares who she is. But if she said, if she put something like uh, a complete beginner's guide to affiliate marketing, something like that, or how to do affiliate marketing as a complete beginner. That would be something that somebody might search for. So you want to make videos that people are searching for rather than just... Because if, if no one knows your radio station exists on, and you put just your radio station name, episode one, series one, day one, whatever it might be, no one's searching for that. Mm. But they might be searching, for example, best reggae station or lesser known reggae stations or whatever it might be. And if you can identify those keywords, let's make videos about those keywords. Don't stress too much about the quality because that will come with time. But that's what I do. So first I determine the kind of video I'm comfortable with. Then I do some basic keyword research. I'd make videos on those topics. I may also batch record the videos. So I might set aside a day where I just make the videos. And then I've got next week's videos ready. And then I can upload them and make them public at the right time rather than thinking, I haven't made a video today, I better make one now, and then rush something through. So that's, but it, it, there's, a, there's going to be an element of trial and error, and there are going to be things that just fall flat on their face and don't work. And there are going to be other things that do work, but you just do more of what works. What do you think of this part one, part two? I used to write a lot of articles for blogs, and people said, if you do part one, and they see on online part two, then part one isn't there because they've done a search and part two is there. They recommended you didn't do part one, part two. How do you feel about doing those? Or do you think you should do your content? That's what this is about in this hit. And it's on its own. I think that's fine because I personally think it depends how many parts you want to do. But when a video comes to an end, you have the ability to add to what's called an end screen, Mm -hmm. which is built into YouTube. You can have templates that you add to your video and then upload it as one big video file. but you can have this little template and I've got this template, which has three boxes and then it will say watch next or thanks. And it's got suggested videos. So if somebody watches part two, they get to the end. Oh, there's a part one to this. I'll go back and check that out. Or if it's part one, then once you've got part two and part three ready, you can come back to that video and add part two and part three in and they can binge watch. So I don't think it matters, but I think it's important that it's on a, it's not like Adam's life part one. It's on a specific topic that people are searching for and interested in. And again, you can say at the start of the video, like, 
this is part two. And if you haven't seen part one yet, there's a link in the description. Go and check that out first. Some will, some won't. But I think with a, yeah, with a website, it may be a bit different. You might have to make a certain page unavailable. And I know people do that when they launch new products. They'll have a teaser video one, teaser video two. And when you're on video two, you can go back and watch video one if you want to. But I think with YouTube videos, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of people like series and, and connection. That's why they've got playlists on YouTube. And I, and I suppose since I was doing it all that time ago, that it's much easier now to access what, what you're looking for. So you could just copy and paste it into the search, but change the one to two or the two to one, and then you will find it. Whereas years ago, the, the algorithm didn't work like that, and on, especially on Yahoo search or something. Yeah, you can put dates in your video. You can put, as long as it's, certain content will be evergreen and certain content will be outdated depending. But if it's an evergreen piece of content, even though you recorded it in 2022, you can update the title and say 2023. And as long as it's, for a radio, I don't think for a radio station, it would particularly matter for some areas it wouldn't make sense but having some having the current day current year in the title tells people that this is up-to-date content that's so that can often work in square brackets that can also stand out it's, it's interesting that there's so many golden nuggets one or two i expected every time you say a sentence oh well uh, and i hope uh, and i will be encouraging my listeners to partake the online marketing world can be overwhelming how does your membership site provide a structured learning environment and support for radio professionals, that's who our audience are, looking to improve their promotional techniques? Basically, I'm quite direct and try to tell people how it is. I don't, I try to lead people through a process. So once people join, there's a lot of information inside. But I've tried to set it out so that it's in a logical order. So there's a getting started roadmap guide. Then there's all of the courses. There's sections. So there's section one, section two, section three, through to section nine. And section one is designed to go through first and go through it in the order. But also realizing that it's a little bit like an encyclopedia. And there may be certain modules or sections that are not relevant to you. Everybody in my membership is in a different market. Wow. No one, so you, no one's in the same thing. You have people that sell physical products on e-commerce. You have people that are affiliate marketers, people that have their own products and services, people that want to promote their local business. Everybody is different. It's not designed to be specifically for a certain it's not type of person. Yeah. yeah. So it's not designed to be, it's not designed to be for people that want to sell physical products on Amazon. And it's not designed for radio presenters, but it's designed so that everybody can take the information and apply it to what they want to do. Um, as for support, my policy is I'll meet you halfway. So if people don't do anything and then want me to do it for them, I won't. But if people, if I can see that, like somebody said, look, I've created my YouTube channel, I've set it up, but I'm not sure about this bit. What do you, can you help me? Then I'll help them. But if somebody says, I don't know how to create a YouTube channel, what do I do? And it's in the course, and there's a whole section which says how to create a YouTube channel, go through that first, then I'll help you. And if you get, of course, if you get stuck or if there's a module you don't understand or whatever, then I'll help. And I'm available all the time. I'm in Japan, so obviously time zones don't always match, but I reply to, and I reply 
personally. I don't have some kind of one thing I have noticed. Somewhere. You and I'll make a video or an audio, or I might email you, but it'll be it won't be a generic bot or AI reply that a lot of people give. But my, my it's, I've learned the hard way that you can. It's like the old saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I will lead the horse to water, but if the horse won't drink, I'm not going to force it to drink. Mm. So I think it's got to be people that buy products also have to take a little bit of responsibility because I've been guilty in the past when I was new, I'd buy something and you almost think that buying something is taking action. Watching a video or reading a guide or downloading a PDF is taking, you've got to do that. You've got to learn, but you're not going to learn if you don't do it. So you've got to implement it. So I'm, I'll support anybody that puts in the work, puts in the effort, but if people don't, if people buy my course and then ask me a thousand questions every week where the answers are quite clearly in the course, I'll, I might say, have you watched this? It's in the course. So that's my kind of way of dealing with people, but I'm, I'll help anybody that needs it provided that they tried. Yeah. I, I, and I like that and I, because I'm a member of it myself. I, I can vouch that everything in there is such good quality. You won't see anything like anywhere else and it's updated. So that if something does is not working anymore because somebody's changed something, Facebook do it all the time, then you'll have the update there. It always feels like it's the first time you've been in because there's so much going on. Mm. And also, if some if you come out with a product, you tend to put it in your membership site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great advantage. I'll, I'll paste the details of that underneath shortly because I think everybody ought to take a look at it. And I like the way as well, it's not for just one niche. It doesn't matter what niche you're in, marketing's marketing. And yeah. you just need to adapt it to exactly what you're doing, especially in the radio field, because it is slightly different and you do slightly different things with your audience. But there's, old- there's, a, there's a guy, sorry to interrupt you, there's, I won't mention his name just now in case he doesn't want me to mention it, but there is one guy in there that is quite a well-known radio presenter in the UK. All right. Um, he's in the north of England and he's done a lot of work for national radios as well. Yeah, there's people in there that are experienced and have got, and he's got a channel that's doing pretty well. And he's used various elements of Video Marketing Insider to help grow his channel, whether it's certain things related to intro music, jingles, different kind of techniques to get going. But yeah, he's, there's, I should, I completely slipped my mind that he was a member, but there is actually a, a quite a well known radio guy in there. I know one presenter, his name's Paul Holland, and he used to be, just on the radio, but then he went into the marketing side of it and he does the jingles thing. And it's, and it's something that somebody in our audience could do because in fact, they are doing it, but it's so small time. This is a great way of getting out. Okay. uh, Let me just ask you one more then as an online marketing expert, what do you believe sets your approach and expertise apart from other YouTube marketing resources available to radio professionals or anybody come to that? I think what sets me apart is something that's quite sad in this industry. And it's the fact that I genuinely want to help people and I don't BS anybody. And I don't sugarcoat stuff and I don't try and sell products to make money. I've turned a lot of people away from my stuff because I don't think they need it or they don't, they shouldn't buy it. They're not ready. I've told a couple of people that were willing to spend more than $2,000 not to buy my stuff because they told me their situation and they were in 
financial trouble and this was their like last roll of the dice. And I don't think anybody should put themselves in a financial predicament to buy a course or buy a membership. And I think what sets me apart, it's not just me, there are other good people out there, but I think it's caring about people, being ethical, always being there, being consistent, leading from the front and genuinely coming from a place of empathy and support whereby I'm not just trying to sell, once somebody joins my membership, I'm not trying to sell them another thing and upsell them on coaching. I don't even, I don't really even offer, I, I, I do offer it, but I don't advertise it. If people want it, they can have it, but I don't advertise coaching. But when you join my membership site, there's nothing else to buy. There's no upsell. There's no downsell. There's no side sell. The only time I would advocate something is if I can't provide it myself, I don't have the means to provide it. I think it helps. And I think I've maybe a couple of times a year, I might sell something that's not or advocate something that's not mine. And I know that when I bought products in the past, suddenly there's 12 upgrades that I need to buy and then support doesn't respond to me in touch at all. And then the product is a gimmick. Look nice on the surface, but it's, so I think when you're new and you don't know who to trust, it's very easy for somebody to say, well, yeah, anybody could say that. And it, they, everybody says they're a nice person and they're a nice guy, uh, and they truly care. Mm. And I guess there's no way for people to know that until they actually join it. But, and reputation I, as well. If they, once they joined your Facebook group or something, they would know by the feedback. You haven't got the sales pages that as soon as you look at them, it's BS. You just know. And the the earnings panel comes up and look at what we've earned. Yeah, you've just made that up yourself. They've made it up themselves or they've made that money by selling the previous gimmick. And a lot of the testimonials AI generated, or they're by their friends. Yeah, They're their friends' testimonials that do the same thing. I found a couple of sales pages a while back and I put them in my Facebook group. There were three testimonials. They're all the same, word for word. One had a woman's picture, one had a man's picture, and another had a woman's picture with a, with a man's name. And I know these days that might be a thing, but it was all, it was so obviously fake. They just didn't even care. Yeah. But it, again, it, when you are new, you might not notice that kind of stuff. And you might see that screenshot of money. And that's why, generally speaking, I don't put screenshot income screenshots on my, I do occasionally. Generally speaking, I don't because. What money I make has no connection to what you might make. And people, some of my students have got bigger YouTube channels than me now. And that's fine. I'm not a YouTuber. I don't do YouTube to become famous or well-known. I'm, I use it as a place to just to get a message across, but I don't consider myself a YouTuber. I consider myself somebody that utilizes YouTube to get market. But so, yeah, it's not a bit of a long-winded answer to that question, but Word of mouth, I think, is the best way to sell something. If somebody else recommends you. It's powerful um, because it's slow sometimes, I find, but it is slow. Powerful. But it get you get there in the end. And that the thing that helped me with word of mouth was the Facebook group because I opened up a Facebook group that was free. There's nothing to buy. You could join it. And I showed up every single day with I made videos, I gave tips, and sometimes I just left silly stuff. But then that Facebook group went from nothing to two thousand people. And then once I suddenly had something to sell, people had already got to know and trust me over a year or so. 
So it wasn't hard to sell it. I didn't need to get affiliates or do a launch. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just did a little bit of a teaser. It's coming soon. And then when it was ready, and then that was Video Marketing Insider. And it went live in 2018, I think. So it's five years. And when I look back at the products I bought five years ago, the domains don't exist anymore. No, they're just gone. So stuff doesn't of you would don't last long in it. But you, you've just relaunched or reopened one of your Facebook groups, haven't you? You closed it for yeah, us. Yeah, the free one. So yeah, there's a free group. Um, yeah, give us the contact. But how can, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way of getting in contact with, with Adam Payne? They can either email me. Um, I've got, they can, what, support at videomarketinginsider.com. That, that also goes to my Gmail, so I can, one of my Gmail addresses, so I can see that in there. If they want to email me, if they're on Facebook, they can search for a group called Beers with Adam. That's the one. Which was my old kind of brand. I don't have that brand anymore, but I've kept the name for the group. And that's just designed as to be like a casual place for people to have a chat, like over a beer. Not everybody drinks, so it's all right. And that's free, but I made the decision. I reopened it recently, but I'm not going to be in it every day because it's too, it's time consuming. And if people join any of my, buy any of my products, like face membership sites or individual products, then they'll automatically be able to contact me via email. So that's probably email, Facebook group for free and or buying something. Yeah. But when they go to the beers site, they interact with each other anyway. So if you're not there, you've still got that feed going on and it's riveting stuff sometimes. And somebody might make a really good point. Other people are, are make their comment on it. So it, it's always exciting. But of course, when you come along with the answer. <laughs> hey. It's casual too. And there are people in that group that are really good at other stuff. Like people that are really expert with SEO or experts at local marketing or whatever it might be. And they're not all my customers. They're just people that are in the group. And I keep a kind of, I don't let people spam the group. And I don't, if anybody like private messages, somebody just let me know and I'll kick them out. And I've thrown people out of the group that have been big affiliate, big marketers, but because they didn't treat people right, I just kicked them out. So keep it and it's not always marketing sometimes it's just a bit of a joke or a bit of a laugh it's not always serious stuff so community yeah let's finish now a big thank you i know the listeners will want to know is what music do you listen to oh i've got a weird i listen to everything my taste is like eclectic i i don't have one particular type of music i listen to classical music i listen to rap music I listen to, was it called alternative indie music? I sometimes listen to foreign music that I've not got a clue what they're saying, but I like the sound of it. Reggae. The only music I don't really listen to is the stuff my kids like, which is like Japanese pop music or Korean pop music. That's really big over here in Japan. I'm not a fan of that. Everything. I don't have a, I'm not a particular, like I wouldn't say that like I'm a reggae fan or I'm a this fan. Absolutely everything and anything really. And I don't have a favorite singer or a favorite band or any of that it's just is there a radio station like we're quite often on radio too for example do you tune in regularly to anything i wouldn't say i tune in regularly i used to listen to is it heart fm oh yeah 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 i've listened to that before and there's a because i'm in japan sometimes like i'll listen to some japanese stations where they they might have an english presenter and then they'll suddenly go into japanese and they'll play various kinds of music so if i'm in my car i might listen to a japanese there's one over here called zip fm Mm-hmm. And that I would listen to sometimes. And I like sports. So I usually listen to Five Live and Radio Five and that kind of stuff. Wow. 
when yeah. I was in the UK. But sometimes, because I'm in Japan, some things online anyway, on, online, it, sometimes you get blocked from listening to certain things. And I don't often use a VPN. So, yeah, bit of just it's hard to answer that because it's an easy question, but it's hard to answer because it's a bit of everything. Yeah, it's okay. That's the sort of questions that I know uh, the listeners will want to know because they've got radio stations and they, they're interested in what their listeners do. But I thought, particularly being in Japan, how different is it? Do you get on with the language? Can you speak it fluently or anything? Yeah, I can have a conversation and I can get by. But the hardest part is not the speaking, it's the reading and the writing because it's they have three alphabets. I always see. Uh, the kanji is the hardest one. Then they have one called hiragana, which is Japanese words in easier symbols. Then they have one called katakana, which is words that are taken from a foreign language. But they each symbol has a sound. And it's consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, every word. My name's not Adam, it's Adamu. When I write my name, it's like that. I live in a place called Nagoya, so it's Nagoya. And every word follows that thing. So the katakana words, you can even if you can read katakana, you can often understand certain things because ice cream is aisu kurimu, ji orinji jusu. So it, you read it quickly, it sounds the same. Mm-hmm. But then there are other words. Which, but sometimes it'll take words from French. Or Korean. So like the word for clippers when you shave your hair is barrican, which is from French, which is the French company which invented the clippers. So you might read it, but not know what it means. So it's, and then they have different languages for different levels of hierarchy. So they've got different words depending on where you are in the social circle. So that's quite hard, but I don't use it in my day. Yeah, I live here, but I I don't use it to work. I speak to my kids in English. So I think, yeah, I can speak it, but I wouldn't say I'm perfect. No. It's amazing. There's a YouTube YouTube channel and a, a complete content generation thing about Japan. It's a huge subject. Thank you very much indeed for your time, Adam. Do appreciate it. And those listening, I'm sure if, if they take action, I, I really do need them to visit your Facebook group and things like that. It will help you. There's no two ways about that. It will make a difference. Thank you very much indeed. Well, my pleasure. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. For more details of any of our podcasts, please visit vinylimpressions.club.